morning and a very warm welcome to St. Columbus on this, the 18th Sunday after Trinity, for our sung Eucharist. I welcome in particular our guest organist, Tristan Ruscher, together with the cantors and singers. Our service begins on page 201. The Lord be with you. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to intercede for us in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us then confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned in thought and word and deed, and in what we have left undone. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may walk in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy on you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.
the collect for today, the 18th Sunday after Trinity. Almighty and everlasting God, increase in us your gift of faith, that forsaking what lies behind, we may run the way of your commandments and win the crown of everlasting joy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We have been hearing week by week Paul's reflections in prison. Now his mind turns towards the future. No worldly advantages compare with knowing Christ. That is, a deep experience of his renewing power. And Paul longs to know more and understand more, even though in this life such knowledge can only be partial. The epistle is from Philippines chapter 3, beginning at verse 4b. Even though I, too, have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Jesus takes the familiar metaphor of Israel as God's vineyard and turns it into a castigation of those with responsibility for tending it. All those whom God sent to guide and direct, even his own son, were reviled and rejected. Hear the Gospel of our Saviour Christ according to Matthew chapter 21, beginning at verse 33. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. And therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Words from the Gospel passage just read. There was a landlord who planted a vineyard. He let it out to tenants and went away to another country. When we returned from a break in France and read the September copy of the Columban, I was interested in the thought for the month, written by one of our cantors, um, Lauren Cheshire. She described a book entitled The Myth of Normal, unknown to me, Lauren, I have to say, which you read on holiday. The book, you stated, resonated with you as you're one of those people, I hate to hear it, 
who falls ill almost immediately upon taking a holiday from work. I haven't spoken to you this morning, but hopefully that was not the case this year. Every year, I take one book with me on holiday. While it was too hot at times to read when in France, I did manage to read yet again a book about 19th century Ireland, and in particular the time when there was considerable friction between the landlords and their tenants, who were agitating for greater freedom and tenant rights, and that applied particularly here in Ulster. I'm glad to say, incidentally, that the reading experience did not make me sick. It's well over a hundred years now since many tenants availed of the opportunity to purchase the land on estates that they had rented for years. In Newton Ards, for example, one of my predecessors as rector in the 1880s got into very hot water when he sided with the landlord during the tenant land league crisis. Within a few years, however, at the turn of the 19th, 20th century, queues of tenants formed at the land agent's office in Utenards when they were able to purchase their land for a reasonable amount. Some people will say that this led to greater changes in rural Ireland than anything before or since that time. Many of my forebearers were tenant farmers in County Limerick. Early in the 18th century, they were caught up in political and religious conflict in their home area in Germany and fled as refugees to England. Within a short time, a landlord in Ireland agreed to take them on as tenants on his estate. The landlord has long gone, and my relatives in that part of Ireland now own their own land. In some respects, circumstances have changed so much that it can be misleading to apply the attitudes and the conditions of hundreds of years ago to this day and age. And that applies also to today's parable told by Jesus, that of the wicked tenants. In that case, the landlord who established his property placed an agent in charge and then left the country. Here in this country and in Palestine, they would have been described as absentee landlords. In some ways, the situation in Palestine 2,000 years ago was not unlike that in Ireland in the 19th century. Large estates were often owned by foreigners who had been planted in the country. Agrarian discontent in Palestine went hand in hand with nationalist feeling as it did here in Ireland. And so it is not unthinkable that the refusal of rent might be the prelude to violence and murder by tenants 
who resented and feared greatly the threat of eviction. And of course, all that has given us a word with which we are familiar in the English language, the word boycott. However, that's a story in itself, and I must move on. There's violence in today's gospel passage. As was often the case in the telling, Jesus was no meek and mild speaker who wouldn't say boo to a goose. For there's nothing meek or mild about a man who spoke out critically against the established religious leaders when they exploited the poor or were concerned only with promoting their own vested interests. The parable describes a situation which was commonplace in Roman-occupied Palestine. A landowner established a vineyard and enclosed it with a fence and watchtower. And then, like many in Ireland in the troubled years of the 19th century, he became an absentee landlord, returning to his own house in another country. However, things began to unravel when the landlord's agent sent his servants to collect the rent. The country was seething with economic unrest and working people like tenants were discontented and rebellious. Let me repeat the parable, and I do so very, very briefly. When the landlord sent his agents to collect the rent, they were roughly treated by the tenants. Eventually, the landlord or the agent sent his son, but he fared worse because the tenants murdered him. Now, that may have been a grim story, but we may ask the question, what was its purpose? Well, the parable has a deeply significant meaning which may not be easily grasped by us all those years later but would have been understood by the clever and the wily religious leaders who were listening to Jesus. The vineyard is the nation of Israel. The landlord is God, who entrusted the vineyard to the cultivators, the tenants. Those were the religious leaders. The servants who were sent by the landlord God were his messengers or prophets who were rejected and reviled. The son who came last is none other than Jesus himself, who in time would be despised, rejected and killed. I'm sure that many of the religious figures with whom Jesus clashed were genuine, upright individuals. But the establishment and the institution of which they were a part was corrupt and obscured the message of God and his prophets. Religion, and that this can apply in any age, had the effect of distorting the truth. Many of those at whom the parables were directed by Jesus may have been considered to be pillars of society. But let me sound a note of caution here. Pillars can hold things up Pillars 
can obscure vision. The Christian faith proclaims that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. We believe that while respecting people of all faiths and of none, that it is in Christianity that we can find the true way to God. Ideally, the Christian faith and teaching of Christ should enlighten the mind, it should warm the heart, it should fire the will. The role of the sermon and of Bible study is to unravel the message of God, helping us to be better equipped to apply that teaching in our daily lives. While those of us who meet this morning to celebrate our faith in St. Columbus may be imperfect people, God help us if we think otherwise, if we approach the sacrament of Holy Communion in the spirit of Christian love, then hopefully we will be encouraged to go from this place enabled to live and to work to the praise and glory of God. Of course, that may be easier said than done. A great Christian leader hundreds of years ago commented that, and I quote, we may have to walk the dark ways of faith to obtain the vision of God. We live in a rapidly changing world. Those of us who profess to have a faith are in a minority, while those who practice their faith are probably fewer in number. In addition, there can be significant difference of opinion among Christians about major issues in society. For example, the role and status of marriage, abortion, same-sex relationships, euthanasia. The list seems endless, and it can be challenging attempting to interpret the mind of Christ in such difficult circumstances. Someone who perhaps would have resisted change commented recently that when the church marries the spirit of the age, she finds herself a widow in the next. I can understand the fear of change evident in that remark, for not all change is good and wholesome. But maybe we should take heed the words of the prayer in the familiar hymn. Spirit of God, unseen as the wind, Gentle as is the dove, teach us the truth and help us believe. Show us the Saviour's love. And that can be one effective way of ensuring that we understand, perhaps as well as the religious leaders challenged directly by God in today's parable, that we understand what it means to seek the kingdom of God on earth and to do so day by day. And so to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit be ascribed as his most justly due 
all might, majesty, dominion, power and glory, henceforth and forevermore. Amen. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son has worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, you promised through your Son, Jesus Christ, to hear the prayers of those who ask in faith. Lord of your people, strengthen your church in all the world. Renew the life of this diocese of Down and Remore. In our diocesan cycle of prayer, we pray today for the parish of Saintfield and for their rector, Chris Pollock. We remember in our prayers all the churches in this diocese where rectors have retired and there are vacancies. Be with the people and select vestries in these churches as they look to the future. And remember in your prayers the parochial nominators and all who work towards making suitable appointments. Bless David, our bishop, John, our rector, Ken and Walter, our assistant priests, and Karen, our diocesan lay reader. We pray also for all their families. Bless everyone in our parish at St Columbus and build us up in faith and love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of creation, look with favour upon the world you have made. Guide the nations in the ways of justice and of peace. And bless Charles, our King, and all in authority. We pray for all in leadership throughout the world at this time. We remember in our prayers the many countries where there is strife and war. We continue to pay, pray for peace in Ukraine. 
Lord, we pray especially today for the injured and bereaved families in the recent escalation of the conflict between Israel and Palestine. We remember in our prayers the innocent, the frightened, and those who have lost loved ones, lost their homes and families, and those whose families are physically divided due to war. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of our relationships, comfort and sustain the communities in which we live and work. Dear Lord, let us pray for all relationships within our families, with our friends, neighbours, and all those we meet in work and in our local communities. Help us always to see another point of view and to listen carefully to others. Make us your disciples in our communities, workplaces and homes. We give thanks for all the friendships and loving care shown within this parish and we are grateful for the many talents which are shared so generously. Help us to love our neighbours as ourselves, enable us to serve our families and friends, and to love one another as you love us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of all healing, relieve and protect those who are sick or suffering or injured. Be with those who have any special need. We pray for all who deliver health care in hospitals, in hospices and in the community. And for all those people in nursing homes and hospices and for those who are housebound. We give thanks for the care that is available and we give thanks for the vaccination programmes that we can all avail of as required for travel and seasonal infections. Give to us all peace of mind and unshaken trust in you and guide us into perfect peace and deliver all who know danger, violence or oppression. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Lord of eternity, we remember before you all who are grieving for the loss of family and friends. Bind us together by your Holy Spirit in communion with all who, having confessed the faith, have died in the peace of Christ, that we may entrust ourselves and one another and our whole life to you, Lord God, and come with all your saints to the joys of your eternal kingdom. Amen. We do not presume to come to this, your table, merciful Lord, trusting our own righteousness, 
but in your many food and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen. Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
present be present, Lord Jesus Christ, our risen High Priest, make yourself known in the breaking of bread. Amen. Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. ever-living God, at all times and in all places, it is right to give you thanks and praise. And so with all your people, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing. Blessed are you, Father, the creator and sustainer of all things. You made us in your own image. Male and female, you created us. Even when we turned away from you, you never ceased to care for us. 
But in your love and mercy, you freed us from the slavery of sin, giving your only begotten Son to become man and suffer death on the cross to redeem us. He made there the one complete and all-sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. He instituted and in his holy gospel commanded us to continue a perpetual memory of his precious death until he comes again. On the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks to you, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Therefore, Father, with this bread and this cup, we do as Christ your Son commanded. We remember his passion and death, we celebrate his resurrection and ascension, and we look for the coming of his kingdom. Accept through him, our great High Priest, this our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts, grant by the power of the life-giving Spirit that we may be made one in your holy church and partakers of the body and blood of your Son, that he may dwell in us and we in him. Through the same Jesus Christ our Lord, by whom and with whom and in whom, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honour and glory are yours, Almighty Father, forever and ever. Amen. As our Saviour Christ has taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. We be many are one body, for we all share in the one bread. The gifts of God for the people of God. Jesus Christ is holy. Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father.
Let us pray. All praise and thanks, O Christ, for this sacred banquet in which by faith we receive you. The memory of your passion is renewed, our lives are filled with grace, and a pledge of future glory given to feast at the table where you reign with all your saints forever. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the spiritual food of the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen.
Thank you for being with us at our sung Eucharist this morning. And thank you to our guest organist, the cantors and the singers. I want to say thank you to all of you for your great support and encouragement and enthusiasm for our most successful harvest services last Sunday and also for the harvest lunch. Everybody coming together, working together as the body of Christ here in St. Columbus meant we were able to fully get blessing in abundance from the worship and from the fellowship in the hall. The amount raised at the lunch was £3,250, which is phenomenal. And thank you to all of you for the work that was put in in the service, in the decorating and with the lunch. It really was tremendous and so typical of St. Columbus, working hard and working together and great results are achieved. And thank you to all of you. This morning, our thoughts and prayers are with Gillian Sadlier, our retired honorary treasurer, a member of the Select Vestry, as she will be very shortly starting the Chicago Marathon. And we do want to wish her well from St. Columbus. I did tell her coming to church would be a lot easier for her than going to Chicago for a marathon, but we do hope all will go very well for her and those who are with us. So do tune in later on today to see how all that is going. To say that on Friday, our very good friends and our excellent neighbours in St. Conkill's Church in Ballyhackamore, their choir are marking their 40th anniversary with a concert. It's at 7.30. Admission is free, but there will be voluntary donations and life refreshments afterwards. If you can go, you will be very welcome. I myself am hoping to be there to offer encouragement from their neighbours here in St. Columbus. And next Sunday, a special day for all of us here in this parish as our assistant priest, Canon Ken Smith, will baptise his grandson, Rex. No pressure on the assistant priest. And we do want to surround all the Smith family and the Johnson family with our prayers as they approach a very significant occasion next Sunday. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen.